Good morning, Rose Bower. Good to see everybody. Let's all begin worship by standing and singing since Jesus came into my heart. What a wonderful change in my life has been wrought since Jesus came into my heart. I have lied in my soul for which long I had sought since Jesus came into my heart. Since Jesus came into my heart. Since Jesus came into my heart. Bloods of joy o'er my soul like the sea billows roll. Since Jesus came into my heart, I'm possessed of a hope that is steadfast and sure. Since Jesus came into my heart, and no dark clouds of doubt now my pathway obscure. Since Jesus came into my heart, since Jesus came into my heart, since Jesus came into my heart, floods of joy o'er my soul like the sea billows roll. Since Jesus came into my heart, I shall go there to dwell in that city I know since Jesus came into my heart and I'm happy so happy as onward I go since Jesus came into my heart since Jesus came into my heart since Jesus of joy o'er my soul like the sea billows roll since Jesus came into my heart Amen. Hope that's an encouragement to you. Blessed be the name. Blessed be the name of 
Welcome, Rose Bauer, and all of our visitors and guests. If you are visiting with us, we're excited you, you're here this morning. And uh, we're excited everybody's here this morning. Is everybody excited to be here this morning? Yeah. Amen, that's right. It's nice outside, is it not? I know, the, the ninth commandment, right? It's miserable. But hey, it's okay, because it's nice and cool in here. And we're glad to be in here. Glad you're here with us. And uh, we're just going to have a good time. In, in the Lord's house with the Lord's people and under the instruction of his word and being able to worship with song and, and his word. It's an awesome time to be in God's house. So uh, let's continue worship by reading uh, in the book of Ephesians, chapter 6, beginning in verse 5. And it reads, it says, Bondservants, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, in sincerity of heart, as to Christ, not with eye service as man-pleasers, but as bondservants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with good will, doing service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will receive the same from the Lord, whether he is a slave or free. Now that scripture actually is kind of focusing more on the employee-employer relationship, however, it got me to thinking about our relationship with Christ, with God, as we serve him. And that's what we're here. We're here to serve God. And he tells us if we, we are to serve him in Christ, as if Christ was here with us, as we're serving right alongside with him. You know, last night we, uh, we had a Reedland Day a community event. We had a few of you folks came out and helped us. We was able to serve the community with just a little, just spending time with it, with doing games. We got a, another opportunity this afternoon to serve the community by giving out ice cream and socks for kids that need those for school. We had 30-some-odd people this morning already serving in the building somewhere or somehow, whether it be Sunday school or children's church or up here on the stage or back there in the back or in the nursery, all these different places that we can serve. And I hope you have that heart of servant as well. Just because we're at church or not at church, you can serve anywhere, anytime. You don't have to wait for us to give you an opportunity. You can serve anywhere at any time, just whenever God lays it on your heart. And we encourage you to do just that. So let's go ahead and continue on with our worship. But before we do, let's pray. Heavenly Father God, we thank you. We thank you for the many blessings you've given us. We thank you for all that you do for us. And God, it's such an honor, such a privilege to serve you, whether it be here in this building or outside these walls. Lord, I pray you'll lay it on our hearts how we can serve you, and then we'll be obedient to you and be willing to do so. Lord, we thank you. We praise you. We pray now for, as we continue to worship in song, we pray for our praise team and all those that have a part in it. We, we pray for our, our children's church and our nursery. Lord, we pray for Brother Justin as he brings the word here shortly. We just pray, God, that everything is done according to your will to glorify your name. And that We're not up here to please anyone else but you, Lord God. We pray, God, that you will take this as a blessing, that you'll join us here today, and let it be all about you, and it's in your blessed name we pray. And everybody said, amen. amen. <laughs> 
All right, let's continue in worship by standing. We're going to be singing Revelation song. This song is a great reminder to us of, of how holy of a God he is that we worship. So let's sing Revelation song.
this time, would the kids come forward for Children's Church? We've got one more song we're going to worship with, Only a Holy God. If you'd like to sit, you may. If you want to remain standing, please do.
Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for giving us the opportunity, Lord, to be in your house once again, to come together in fellowship, Lord, to encourage one another in our faith. Lord, I pray for the hearts and the minds that are in this church right now, Lord. I pray that you've you've broken down those walls, Lord, that you've removed the distractions that, that come with this life, Lord, and I pray that we've been focusing on you and your greatness, Lord, and reminding ourselves of how holy of a God you are. Lord, you are the God the creator of the whole entire universe, Lord. But more importantly, Lord, you've sent us our salvation, Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that we're always reminded, Lord, of the love that you have for us because of sending your son to this earth to die on the cross for us, to be that ultimate sacrifice. Lord, when we are not deserving, Lord, I, I pray that we always remember that, that we are but filthy rags, Lord. We can never earn the salvation that you give us through Christ, Lord. I pray that we focus on you this morning, on every day, Lord. I pray that you'd help us to be more like you, draw us closer to you. I pray for Brother Justin. Give him wisdom, your words, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for being here this morning. Pray that, pray that you've had a wonderful week and it's a wonderful time to be in the Lord's house with you this morning. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to turn with me to John chapter 3 and we'll begin reading in verse, starting in verse 22. John 3 and begin reading in verse 22. And as you're turning there, I do want to share a, a, a word of thank you to Michael Woolley for filling in for me last week while I was away and for Andrew Koo for filling in for me Wednesday night for our men's Bible study while I was away. I'm so thankful for these men and their willingness to stand and to share the gospel and to share God's word with you. Uh, and so I'm thankful for them, and I'm excited to be back here with you. Thank you for allowing me and my family to be away for a little while. We went to St. Louis. We was able to watch a St. Louis Cardinals ball game and Six Flags and have a lot of fun together. So you have several car windows broken out, all kinds of good stuff, and come back home safe and secure. Uh, and so it is good to be back here with you in God's house this morning. And we're going to return to our study of the Gospel of John. Um, I took a little week, a break last week, but we're going to jump back in the Gospel of John. And what we've learned so far in the Gospel of John is this, is that Jesus' ministry has been launched, right? Jesus' public ministry has began. Uh, he's began teaching and preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. John the Baptist has proclaimed and declared him to be the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He has performed a few miracles. A few have believed. He has cleansed the temple. And he's offered a plan of salvation for any and all who will believe on the name of Jesus Christ. And so that's what we've learned so far leading into this passage. And then this morning, as we begin to look at our text, we're going to see that Jesus, in the beginning of his ministry, meets conflict. <laughs> and what we really learn is that Jesus, in his ministry, in his entire earthly ministry, is filled with conflict. Conflict after conflict after conflict. And so... One of the takeaways I want us to think about a little bit this morning is when we find ourselves in conflict with the ministry of the gospel of Jesus Christ, it doesn't necessarily mean that we're in the wrong. It doesn't mean we're doing something wrong, as we see is the case here with Jesus Christ, 
who was teaching the truth, who was the truth, who offers a way of life, but he continues to find himself in conflict. Actually, for us to follow Jesus, Jesus tells us the world will hate you as the world has hated him. So actually, if the world is in love with the church, that means the church needs to realign itself with Jesus. Because the world is not going to love the church because the church loves Jesus. And the world hates Jesus. And so if the church is being loved by the world, it is the world that is in the church. And we need to be realigned with Jesus Christ. What he does tell us, though, is as we're aligned with Jesus, the world will hate us. But at the same time, he says, as the world hates you, don't worry. Be at peace. For I have overcome the world. And so with that in our hearts and our minds this morning, let's look at John chapter 3 and verse 22. If you'll stand to your feet as we honor the reading of God's word. The word of God says this in verse 22. After these things, Jesus, his disciples came into the land of Judea, and there he remained with them and baptized. Now John also was baptizing in Aon uh, near Salem, because there was much water there, and they came and were baptized. For John had not yet been thrown into prison. Then there arose a dispute between some of John's disciples and the Jews about purification. And they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he who was with you beyond the Jordan, to whom you have testified, behold, he is baptizing, and all are coming to him. John answered and said, A man can receive nothing unless it has been given to him from heaven. You yourself bear witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. He who has the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is fulfilled. He must increase, but I must decrease. He who comes from above is above all. He who is of the earth is uh, earthly and speaks of the earth. He who comes from heaven is above all. And what he has seen and heard that he testifies, no one receives his testimony. He who has received his testimony has certified that God is true. For he whom God has sent speaks the words of God, for God does not give the Spirit by measure. The Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hands. He who believes in the Son has everlasting life, and he who does not believe in the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for these words that you have given us this morning, and we pray now your blessings upon the reading of this word to the hearts of this, your people. God, I pray by the power of your Spirit, that you will grant us wisdom and understanding of this passage. God, I pray that you bind Satan from this place, and I pray that you teach us, that you train us, and transform us to make us more like your son Jesus this morning. For it's in Jesus' holy name that we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you. This morning, as we look at this text... Um, I'm not going to be able to do justice for you, the study that I've had this week looking into this text, and I wish that I could. I wish, and I can't tell you how many times this is true, I would say every single Sunday, that I wish I could share with you an ounce of what God has shared with me throughout the week. And it never comes out like I wish that it would, or how clear God has spoken to me. But this is a passage that God has really spoken in my life, and this is a struggle of mine, as we're going to see, is... Um, 
what we're going to talk about just for a little bit is ultimately pride and selfishness. And, and that's something I struggle with at a high level. This is something I know about myself. This is something I repent of on a daily basis. This is something that I'm learning and, and trying to grow to become more like Jesus in humility and love and compassion. Uh, but this passage has spoken volumes to my heart and my life. And I pray that I can communicate just a little bit of it to you. There's two things I want you to see in this passage, but there's one overarching theme that combines the two. The first thing that I want you to see is that pride leads to jealousy and eternal wrath. Pride leads to jealousy and eternal wrath. You see, as we read in our passage, there's a conflict that is brewing. <laughs> um, let me see which, which verse it is, but in verse... Uh, 25. Some of your translation may read this. Then there arose a discussion between some of John's disciples. I think it's maybe the ESB. Maybe the CSB has that as well. And that's kind of like in married life, when you're having an argument, you tell your kids, we're discussing a matter. <laughs> right? It's a discussion. Uh, but we all know what it really is. It's an argument. It's a dispute. And so I've got the New King James where I'm reading the New King James Version I'm reading out of that, that correctly labels it as a dispute, as a argument, as a conflict that is going on. And the conflict that was happening was on a couple of different levels. There was one that the Jews were upset with this baptism because they saw that as a ceremonial cleansing uh, as they had been practicing and they were, they were baptizing, cleansing people who were not pure. And so they were upset about that. But that was not the only thing they were upset about. Um, the second dispute that's kind of in the same argument is the disciples of John are jealous of Jesus and his ministry that has taken place. That Jesus is now getting all of the attention. All the people who were coming to John, who were being baptized, are averting their attention from John. They're now beginning to focus on Jesus, and they're beginning to follow Jesus, and it makes John's disciples jealous. They see all these disciples that are now going to Jesus. So pride is the culprit of both of the problems that are going on in this argument. And truly, most arguments, most divisions... Most problems begin with a pride issue of sorts. There is some type of pride that is going on that causes the argument, that causes the division, that causes the dispute. For pride is the core of all sin. Um, I've heard one say that pride is pregnant and gives birth to all sins. I think, I think that's a pretty, pretty accurate statement. For pride is what... For pride is the reason that Satan got kicked out of heaven. Pride is the first sin of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Pride is a struggle that every single person with, on planet Earth struggles with. We all struggle with pride at some level to some degree. Some is much worse than others. But pride is something we all struggle with. Pride is when sinful humans aspire to the position of God and do not acknowledge their dependence upon Him. I'll try to say that again. Pride is when sinful humans aspire to the position of God but do not acknowledge their dependence upon Him. Meaning they think it's something they have done to get to where they are. 
They think it's their strength, their power, their knowledge, their information, something how great they are. Look, I am God, is what they're saying. They never say that out loud, but that's the way they're acting. And when you act that way, you're not acknowledging your dependence upon a holy and powerful God. And so that's what pride is. Pride seeks glory for ourselves and not attributing the glory that God deserves. There is nothing more offensive to a holy God than pride. Pride praises ourself, and as you praise yourself, it obscures the glory of God. As we're busy praising ourselves, in the same moment, that praise for yourself that belongs to a holy God and only to a holy God, it obscures the glory that belongs to God and God alone. There is nothing more that God loves than his glory. You see, glory is the purpose of all creation. All of heaven and earth was created for his glory. All of humanity was created for his glory. And pride denies the glory that God so rightfully deserves. And what the Bible says is that God hates pride. That he opposes the proud. Think about that just for a moment. If I were to ask you, what is something that you hate? You probably have a couple lists in your mind right now. The first list is probably something a little less meaningful or real something probably a little more silly the things that come in your mind like if you're a UK basketball fan what do you hate Duke basketball right or Louisville Cardinals or if you're or the Chicago Cubs <laughs> I'm sorry I'm I'm just ruffling feathers now I'm just being silly but if we think harder what are something that we hate that we really mean. I think a few things could come to mind. Abortion. Child abuse. Racism. Murder. Cancer. These are things that we hate with a passion. But what God's word teaches us, as much hate as we have for cancer... Abortion, murder, child abuse, it's nowhere near the amount of hate that God has for pride. And the hate that God has for pride is a holy, justified hatred. It's a righteous hatred. Because all glory belongs to God. He's right in that. He's not wrong. He's not being prideful in and of himself saying, I deserve this when he don't. No, he does deserve it. All glory belongs to him. So his hatred for pride is a, is a hatred for, uh, his hatred for pride is a holy, righteous, justified hatred. Because pride denies him his glory. And pride is our greatest enemy. Pride is our greatest enemy. And so what God will do, if we will let him, is he will expose our pride. And in those moments, it hurts. When he exposes our pride, it hurts. But as he exposes our pride, he introduces us to humility. 
He introduces us to humility, and that's exactly what we see in our text this morning. You see, John the Baptist is the forerunner for Jesus Christ. He is the first prophet that has been, that, that has been speaking in the name of Jesus for 400 years. He comes and he's speaking and he's telling about not only that a Jesus that is coming, but he's sharing about a Jesus who is here. And so he comes as the prophet, as a forerunner for Jesus Christ, and people are repentant of their sins, and people are being baptized, and this great revival is breaking out, and people are coming, the crowd is growing, it's getting larger and larger. But now, the people who were following John at the beginning are now starting to follow Jesus. Now they're turning to follow Jesus, and it's making some of John's disciples jealous. Angry, criticize and critique Jesus and his ministry. And I want to stop here just for a moment and I want you to say, I want you to see how in the world that we live in today, we see the same type of jealousy, we see the same type of competition, unfortunately, between churches. And it's not so much, I would even say, not so much even from the congregation, from the people in the churches, because I think they kind of get it. I think that's you. I think you get it. I think you get it we're on the same team. I think you get it we have the same purpose. I think you get it we have the same goal. That it, it, but unfortunately, sometimes with churches and church leaders and, and, and the leaders of the churches, sometimes they see other churches as competition. Sometimes they see other churches and they get jealous. Sometimes they see other churches and they grow envious of, of their ministry and all that's going on. And, and that's exactly what's happening here in this passage with John's disciples. They're getting jealous of the things that are going on with Jesus and Jesus' ministry. And they're getting angry about it. And so they come to John to tell him about, hey, what are you going to do about it? But here's what we must know and understand. What we're going to learn in this passage is there's no such thing as Rosebier people and Reedland Baptist people and the United Methodist people. There is only God's people. All right? There is only God's people. It's not about our name. It's not about Justin. It's not about Rosebier Baptist Church. It is only about King Jesus and King Jesus alone. And so if another church is having success and revival is breaking out, then praise God Jesus is working. We're not in competition with them. We are joining with them. We are partnering with them for the kingdom of God. That is the goal. And that is the purpose that Jesus came to this earth for all of God's people to share the word of Jesus so that other Others may know him and glorify him. And we are not competing with any other church on planet earth. We are a part of the universal church that God has created. And to really sober us a little bit, I heard this at the SBC conference a few weeks ago that we went to. Vance Pittman said this. Sometimes we think in our minds that our church is so great and so wonderful. But really and truly, how long will our church exist? And that breaks some of our hearts to just think about that. We said, no, we got a great church. It's going to be great. It's going to be wonderful. We'll never, we'll keep on going forever. Think about all the churches that Paul planted. One of the greatest Christians we've ever read about in Scripture. Not one of his churches are still around. They're all gone. But God's church is still here, right? And that's what the point is. It's not about any certain church. It's all about King Jesus. And so that's what John knows. And that's what John understands. So John's disciples are jealous and they come to him. And they share with him, what about this Jesus who was with you? He's over there and people are following him. And in the flesh, John the Baptist 
has, would have a tendency here to be prideful, to be angry, to be jealous, to be in competition with Jesus. But he doesn't. Instead, he teaches us a lesson on humility. And what we learn, and this is so powerful in my study this week, and I pray it's powerful to you. John the Baptist knew his role. What John knew was his role was not his reward, but the Lord was his reward. And if you'll get that, you wrap your heart and mind around that, that's powerful. John the Baptist knew his role, his calling, his ministry was not his reward. It was the Lord who was his reward. <laughs> this is such a good word for us because sometimes in the flesh we can think to ourselves, our calling is our reward. Our ministry is our reward. What, oh, our success is our reward. The things that we accomplish here on this earth is our reward. But the things that God calls us to is not our reward. It is not what makes us great. It is not what makes us successful. It is the Lord that is our reward. And it is serving Him is what brings us our greatest joy, our greatest satisfaction, and our greatest fulfillment. It's when we humbly submit to Him, serve Him, follow Him, that's when we find joy. That's when we find fulfillment. That's when we find satisfaction. And that's exactly what John says. So John responds to the jealous disciples and says, no one can receive anything unless it has been given to him from heaven. And what he's ultimately saying is, I am who I am. I am where I am. I have what I have because of the grace of God. What a good and holy reminder every single day of our life to be reminded we are who we are. We are where we are. We have what we have. Only because of the grace of God. That's what John's saying here. That's what he said. You yourself know that I'm not the Messiah. I told you from the get-go. I'm not the Messiah. I don't even, I'm not even worthy to tie his shoes. I've told you that. But they missed it. They missed it. They were so into the crowds. And they were so into the excitement. They were so into the following. That they missed that he, what he came to share is that the Messiah was here. And so he says, Jesus is the Messiah. And then he gives them the illustration of a best man at a wedding. You see, we all know that the wedding is not about the groomsmen. The wedding is not about the bridesmaids. The wedding is not about the flower girls. The wedding is about the bride and the groom coming together to get married, right? That's what it's about. That's what it's all about. And so John the Baptist refers to himself as the best man. At the wedding, that his job is to get the groom to the altar. And when the groom gets there, his job is done. So John the Baptist says, Jesus is here, my job is done, and it's the greatest joy of my life to point people to King Jesus. That's what he's telling them, and that's what he shares with them. He knew his role was to introduce people to Jesus. So think for a moment. He is like the announcer at a boxing match. That at the beginning of a match, you know, the guy that stands in the middle of the ring and he has his microphone and he says, standing to my right in the red corner, standing at six foot tall, 202 pounds, in the red shorts and the blue gloves, the Italian stallion Rocky Balboa. Okay, went a little too far. But the announcer, that's John the Baptist. 
That's John the Baptist. That's all his job is. That's all his ministry is. That's all his calling is. To say, there's Jesus. Run to him. He is the Messiah, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Run to Jesus. Get there as fast as you can. He is the Lamb of God. He was announcing the presence of Jesus. And truthfully, isn't that all of our call? Isn't that all of our jobs? To announce King Jesus? To share and to point others to Jesus? He was the best man, the groomsman, and his ministry was all about Jesus. And so when Jesus comes and he's standing, and now more people are following him than are following John, it says that he rejoices greatly and that his joy is made complete. And then he says one of the most powerful verses of all the Bible, he must increase and I must decrease. What a verse. What a verse. What a mindset. What a model to follow. This is a verse that I have on my wall in my office to remind me constantly that Jesus must be made much of and I must be made little. Like that's my job. That's my ministry. That's my calling to make much of Jesus and make little of Justin. This is our purpose in this world to exalt Christ, not ourselves, for him to increase and for us to decrease. There's three times this word must is mentioned in the Gospel of John so far, and each one of them is significant. The first one is said, the Son of Man must be lifted up. This is when he was talking about the Old Testament, when the serpent was lifted up, and they had to look to the serpent in order to and believe and be healed. And he says, like, likewise, the Son of Man must be lifted up to believe and to be healed. All right, that was the first must. The second must was from Jesus himself. In order to enter the kingdom of God, you must be born again. And now here's the third one, just as significant. He must increase, and we must decrease. So first we see pride leads to jealousy, which is what we see with the disciples. And then what does that lead to? Eternal wrath. That's what it says in verse 36. We'll get there to it in a minute. But those, it says, those who believe in him have eternal life, but those who reject, what that means is, those who have rejected the Savior, who ultimately believed in themselves that they've got enough to be okay. When you reject Jesus, you're automatically just believing in yourself. And when you believe in yourself, the wrath of God remains on you for all of eternity. So pride leads to jealousy, which leads to eternal wrath but number two humility leads to joy and eternal life god gives us this path to joy and it's shared with us through john the baptist and what we learn is the greatest joy you'll ever experience the greatest satisfaction you'll ever experience is when you humble yourself before the lord for how many of you know life has a way of humbling you or better yet god has a way of humbling you right Anytime when we think we got our stuff together, anytime we think we're doing all right, anytime we think that we've got this all figured out, something, somewhere, somehow falls through and we're left saying, I'm nowhere near what I thought I was. Nowhere near as strong as I thought I was. I know I cannot do this on my own. He knows how to bring us down off our high horse when he needs to. People should never, wa never walk away impressed with us, but they should always walk away impressed with what God has done, what God is doing, 
and what God has shared. This is true in all life. This is true in our spiritual life. This is true in our family life. This is true in our work life. This is true in our business. This is true in all of our endeavors. Because just like what we said a moment ago is this. There is nothing that causes, there is nothing greater that causes you to be where you are today other than the grace of God. The greatest cause for you to be where you are today is the grace of God. That is true of you, that's true of me, that's true of all. It's God's common grace and God's great grace and His amazing grace that has been poured upon our life. And that's the thing. I think we all believe that, we all know that, we all understand that, but sometimes, I don't know if you're anything like me, but sometimes I struggle to share that. I struggle to tell others about God's grace that is evident in my life. For us to be a humble person, to find joy, we got to be a grateful person. When you're a humble person, get this, Isaiah 66 and verse 2 says this, when you're a grateful person, when you're a humble person, you will gain the attention of God. Isaiah 66 verse 2 says, I will look to the person who is humble and contrite in spirit. Some translation says that I will gaze on the person who is humble and contrite in spirit. So what scripture is teaching us is that when we humble ourselves before the Lord, it will get God's attention. It will get the creator of the universe, the creator of heaven and earth, the creator of all mankind as we know it. When we are humble and we humble ourselves before the Lord, it gets his attention. It is like a magnet that attracts God to your life. And when God is attracted to your life, it's not just God that comes to your life, but it's his grace, it's his goodness, it's his kindness, it's his mercy, it's his love, because you can't just get some of God, you get all of God. And when you are humble, you attract the goodness, the kindness, and the grace of God in your life. You want to get God's attention? Be humble before the Lord. Submit to the Lord. That's what being humble means, is submitting to the ways and the word of God. To submit to him. For the Bible does not teach God will help those who help themselves. But instead the Bible teaches God will help those who humble themselves before the Lord. Humility is one who is grateful. Humility is one who is amazed by God's grace. One who doesn't expect God's grace but it's amazed by it. One who is not filled with anxiety, fears and worries. But one who is filled with with, with, with a powerful peace and a carefree attitude of knowing that God is sovereign and that God will work all things out for his glory and our good. One who is humble is one who points the attention away from themselves and to a holy God. So humility gets the attention of God and humility leads to joy. <laughs> the reason why is because humility and belief in the Lord Jesus Christ, of what it means to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ is to deny yourself, right? To deny yourself, die daily to yourself is what the Bible says. That means to deny yourself. And if you're denying yourself, who are you denying it for? For the Lord Jesus Christ. That means you're not living for you anymore, you're living for him. And so that's what he says in verse 36. For one who believes in God has eternal life. That is, one who denies himself and believes and places trust and faith in God will have eternal life. But then he goes on and says, and one who rejects God and lives for himself, basically, leads to eternal wrath. For us, the choice is to believe, to believe and have eternal life or to reject and experience eternal wrath. 
For how many of you know that pride looks good on no one? (laughs) There's not one person that pride looks good on. And with pride, you'll never find meaningful, lasting joy. It might be a temporary joy. It might be a moment of joy. But you will never find fulfilling, lasting joy other through King Jesus when we submit before him. For eternal joy and eternal life, it only comes when we humble ourselves before the Lord, when we repent of our sins, we call out on the name of Jesus, We acknowledge that there's nothing good in us and we need him to save us. Most of us have done that, but then we pray and cry. Help us to pursue you with humility and love for all of our days. That is a constant, continual cry and a prayer from his people. See, the disciples were jealous and angry, but John was joyful and at peace. My question is for you today, which one describes you the most? Are you like the disciples that are envious and jealous or maybe even angry of something else that's going on? Anytime we have a complaint in life, step back and ask the question, am I being prideful? Is it because I'm not getting glory? Is it because God's not getting glory? Because the only complaint we can have is when God's not getting the glory he deserves, right? So which one describes you the most? Are you like the disciples who are angry, upset, criticizing and complaining? Or are you like John who's filled with joy because Jesus is here? Who's filled with joy because of the grace of God overwhelms him? Who's filled with God to be used as a small piece in the kingdom of God? Let's pray. Lord, we love you and we praise you and we thank you for this time and opportunity to dive into your word. And God, I thank you for what a study it has been. Lord, this is something we cannot fully internalize here on this earth. This is a constant work in progress in our every ongoing day that you give us by your grace. But Lord Jesus, I pray today, Lord, help us to walk in humility, grace, and love. Help us to deny jealousy, anger, and pride. And Lord Jesus, help us to keep you the focus of our calling, the focus of our ministry, the focus of our church, the focus of our life. Lord Jesus, you know the hearts of this, your people, that is in this place. And I lift them up to you, God. You know every need and every heart and every issue. Lord, I pray for the one who is here today that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior of their life. God, I pray today is the day that they repent of their sins and place their faith in you before it's everlasting too late. God, I know we look out into this world and we see people living in outright disobedience to you, sin and rebellion, and from our eyes, it looks like they're succeeding. From our eyes, it looks like they've got all they could ever want. But Lord Jesus, we know your wrath is coming. That there is no sin that will not be dealt with. It will either be dealt with by Jesus on the cross of Calvary for those who call on the name of Jesus or be dealt with in hell for all everlasting, all eternity for those who reject you and do not know you. We pray this morning for salvation of souls in this church, in this community, in this country. May you be glorified and get the glory that you so rightfully deserve. 
for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Will you stand to your feet this morning? Take on thy cross and follow me. I heard my master say, and I gave my life to ransom thee. So. Herndon, uh, and they come this morning wanting to unite with us at Rosebier Baptist Church, and uh, they're such a sweet couple. Got to meet with them and learn more about them. Barry is an engineer, and you're at GE still. Uh, for a few more days, he's at GE out of Louisville, 
uh, but he's an engineer there, and uh, he's going to be transitioning back to Paducah, uh, and so be in prayer for him in that transition. Miss Haley is at Massac Memorial, nurse practitioner there, um, and so they come. Uh, they're moving here from med school, and they, they went to Buck Run Baptist Church there in Frankfurt, uh, and so they wish you unite with us at Rosebar Baptist Church, and we're so thankful for their willingness to come and to be a part here, and so we want you to be in prayer for them. Um, as they transition to this community um, and welcome them and love them here at Rosebar uh, Baptist Church. And we know that you'll do that. All right. All right. Thank you, guys. You may be seated. Got a few announcements for you, and then we will be dismissed. Uh, just a reminder, our Wednesday night Bible study for our men and women at 630. Um, the men meet uh, in the Sunday school building. The ladies meet in a fellowship hall. And then also we have for our children and our youth. So 6.30 is our men's and women's Bible study. Um, the final balance for the art trip. If you're going to uh, the art in September, August the 15th, please see Ron Award for more details on that. And then today from 2 to 4, we're going to be at Bob's Drive-In. We're giving away ice cream, ice cream cones. We're giving away socks for kids that are going back to school um, and, and, and more. So if you can come and serve, let me know. But we are going to plan that, rain or shine. Uh, so we ask you to come and be in prayer for the event. Thank you so much for your donation of your socks for the children. That is a huge help, and we just thank you so very much. There you see our Connect Four group meetings. Uh, tonight is the young adult group meeting at the home of Jeff and Terry Holland uh, at 5 p.m. And then next week, August the, August the 1st, is uh, our joy group, uh, 55 and older. They'll be meeting in Reach Out Center. We have a sign-up sheet on the bulletin board about what to bring. If you'd like to bring, uh, see uh, Miss Frances Hovacamp or Judas, Judy Tankersley, and they'll help you with that group. And then uh, August 8th, we have a group uh, that is meeting in the home of Jim and Lisa Ellis, and we'll have more information about that as we go. Uh, it does say a business meeting next week, but there's a real good chance that's going to be postponed. We're looking to get a roof fixed, and so we'll probably wait until we get those numbers for you, so be looking for that in the days ahead. Uh, also, we have a couple baby showers, August the 1st from 2 to 4 p.m. for Kayla Hines. That's Kayla and Zach Hines. They're registered at Amazon and Bye Bye Baby. And then also on August the 15th from 2 to 4 p.m. in the Fellowship Hall, Jesse is registered at Amazon and Walmart. So that's Adam and Jesse, August the 15th uh, at Amazon and Walmart. And then today we have a wedding shower from 2 to 4 for Miss Audrey Blanker that will be in the fellowship hall. Um, I think that's most of the announcements I have for you today. Thank you for being in God's house this morning. It's so good to be back with you. Um, if you'll stand to your feet, we're going to do our closing prayer this way. Um, <laughs> if you guys would feel comfortable, if y'all could go to the back door, and I'll be there in just a minute. Uh, but we're going to close our prayer this way. Uh, Phoenix was supposed to have surgery about a month ago. Um, and he pulled a magic trick, and he got out of it, and so he goes back Thursday, and so we're going to end with a prayer for Phoenix. I'm going to ask the elders to come. Um, Kendra, if you come down here, and then we'll do our closing dismissal prayer for Phoenix and uh, for, for the others that are having sickness and, and issues in our church today. Uh, we did find out that Mr. Andrew Buchanan, Buchanan he is going to have surgery tomorrow. I don't have the time, but he's at Baptist Dr. Lopez, tomorrow he's having his bypass surgery, uh, so be in prayer for him. Continue to remember Barry Rhodes and his sickness uh, as he is fighting pancreatic cancer. 
And then also remember Amos, uh, as he'll be having bypass surgery August the 12th. And so remember him in your prayers as we close out this morning. Uh, but Jesse, I guess I'll ask you to just pray here and close us out.